Good morning, Lorena. Good morning. Welcome back to Sydney. Mm, it's delightful to be here. And as previously mentioned, people are aware we record these all in one day. Mm. But what a great day it's been. Mm, it has been a great day. Mm-hmm. Mm. Always is. Sydney always delivers. It does. And it's sunny. Yeah. And it's delightful. Mm, a bit um, of vitamin D. I see our guest arriving, so I feel we should cut to it. Yeah, let's get her in. What do you think? <laughs> I can't be there. Very assertive. <laughs> you say cut, I cut. Okay, <laughs> cut. All right, getting her in. Okay. See you in a minute. Bye. Lorena, you're looking at me, so I assume that means I'm supposed to say something. <laughs> Lorena, there's someone here with us. Oh. Always freaks me out when they just suddenly arrive. Just keep appearing. It's amazing the way they do that. And it's amazing. <laughs> and yet there's a door. It's a locked room. <laughs> yeah, but we've put the sign on. Anybody welcome? <laughs> and I was strolling past. Yes. Well, any HR professionals welcome. That's uh, right. As long as they're professional. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, who have we got here, yes, Lorena? should do you the service of formally introducing you, Emma. We have the lovely Emma Hogan with us today, Mian. We do. Emma has uh, 20 years or so experience in HR, in leading HR roles, but spent most recent time on a sabbatical. We might talk about what you did on that sabbatical a bit later. Uh, but before that, led customer operations. Mm. So yes, a HR person in the business. Mm, the Hold dark side. On. <laughs> so the dark side or the bright side? Well, it depends. Yeah. It depends where you end up eventually, I guess, <laughs> as to true. what it is for you personally. It's true. Anyway, I think we've talked for about 18 minutes ourselves here, Emma. So <laughs> welcome, Emma. Thanks for having me. And you've just had a baby. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes. yes. And uh, I'm not sure at 11 weeks that I was actually in the media <laughs> doing interviews. So um, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's a big it's effort. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so we want to go through lots because you've had lots of HR roles mm-hmm. and lots of very successful roles in some very big brands. Mm-hmm. So there's lots to cover and lots we'd love you to dip into. Sure. I think the place we want to start, though, is that big line manager role. I mean, mm. line manager makes it sound like it was not a very big role. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But you were an executive working in the business as opposed to working in HR. Can you tell us how that came about? Because you were HR prior. Yeah, I was. I was the exec director of People, Culture and Comms at Foxtel for about seven and a half years. And... Um, you know, I'd been in HR my whole career and I really, really loved it. But um, I really loved working at Foxtel and but I'd been doing the same role for a long time and I really wanted to do something else, but I really wanted to stay. Um, and I was just sort of stuck in this. I loved the job, but I, I couldn't see how I was progressing any further. Mm. And whilst it was still full of challenges... I really felt somebody fresh should take a look at it, but I did also didn't want to leave. And um, so in 2013, I took myself off to Stanford um, in America and did the seven-week residential executive oh, yeah. program, which was just life-changing for me. Um, because when you go there... Everyone introduces themselves and says, you know, hi, you're me and what what do you do? Where do you work? But there's 160 of you, so you can never remember what anybody did or does. And so you spend this seven weeks immersed in just being a leader with an opinion on everything. And I realised I had a lot more to say. And what I'd been doing was not contributing as broadly in the business as I could because I was the HR person. Mm. So I had opinions one-on-one, but I wouldn't voice them in a group environment. I didn't really feel like it was welcomed or, yep. or appropriate. But because I had that seven weeks off, I was kind of able to come back and reinvent myself. Yeah, And so I started 
playing a bit more of a, you know, just started making more commentary and more um, thinking about how we could improve things as a general business, which I'd always done, but not been really vocal and owned my opinion. Yeah. Felt sort of I had a place. Yeah. Um, and then we, Foxtel was about to do this major transformation um, called The Next Episode. Um, and the the head of customer experience um, left quite suddenly. Okay. And to A, as you know, to recruit senior talent takes time. And also to bring someone in a few months after this transformation program had started when they probably would have wanted to go back to the beginning and review it yeah. was quite difficult. And so I had a great 2IC. So um, Richard, who was our CEO at the time, I so I pitched to him that I could act in this role yep. and run both. Wow. And that whilst it was a bit of a nightmare and there was lots to do, I knew everybody and yep. I knew that I could get everybody to perform the best in, in their role and I could get Sharon, who was my TYC at the time, to run HR. Mm-hmm. So I stepped into that role, started doing it. We went around the world. We looked for someone else to, to, to do the role permanently. Um, and after eight or nine months, we, we sort of found some people that we liked but didn't sort of like us or, you know, we just couldn't find the fit. And I thought, you know what, this is rubbish. I'm doing a really good job here. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. I can't see myself going back to just HR now that yeah. I've stepped into this. And... Um, and so I rang one of our board members who used to work at, um, at Foxtel previously, who was also a mentor to me, and I said, I think I want to pitch this full-time. What do you reckon? And he said, I can't believe it took you so long. So um, <laughs> typical um, typical girl didn't back myself enough. And um, and so I went into the CEO and said, I really want – I think I deserve this opportunity yep. full-time. Here's what I would do with it. Um, here's who I would put in place. Here's how we would make that happen. And he said, okay, let me think about it. Initially, I pitched for both. HR let, let me tell you both. Yep. I sort of wanted to hang on to my, you know, little blankie, comfort yeah. blankie and mm. do Plus both. you know you're doing, you <clears> can I, do HR. I was like, I can, I can do both. Yeah. But interestingly, he, wa- he went, he said he'd think about it and unbeknownst to me, he went and spoke to the rest of the exec and said, what do you think? And they all said, um, we've been fine with it as an interim arrangement, but we really miss her being our independent advisor. Right. Mm. So we either want her back in HR full time or give her the customer job full time, but they can't be the same person. Okay. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh. And then I thought, actually, if I was in their position, I would have wanted that too. Mm. Yeah, right. And so he said to me, which one do you want? And I was like, okay, let's do it. So mm. I give broke me the ties. And um, so I did both for about nine months and then I did just customer for about two years. Wow. And then I, I finished up in uh, the end of last financial year. Mm. I'd had d- nearly 10 years there and uh, and I absolutely loved it, mm. loved it. You know, when um, if people ever ask me about my career, which is not very often, Emma, and um, <laughs> just a note to you, Lorena. I don't. Never ask me about, about my it. career. Okay, good. It's always about Lorena. Um, and they say, you know, why would you stay in HR? I say, because I hate customers much more than I hate employees. So <laughs> seems like a better idea That's for me. That's a great line. And if anyone ever says, you know, if I was ever told, you know, when I worked in hospitality, for example, as a customer, it's our rate out the front, I'd be like, seriously, like just give them what they need. I really don't want to talk to them. But if someone says to me, there's an employee who's really upset, I'd be like, yeah, bring it on. No problem. Yeah. Um, did you have any of these moments where you realised the customer wasn't all they're cracked up to be or did you find the oh, opposite? Well, I can tell you that... Um, LinkedIn, people who can't get through to the call centre um, 
look up who's in charge of customer service on oh, LinkedIn. Wow, that yes. is and, such um, a major and moment. So, you know, at ten thirty at night I'd get the this sort of yeah. barrage of um people in mailing me. I think oh you even have God. to pay on LinkedIn to be able to in mail people that you're not yes, connected that's to. Right. So, so they're really going <laughs> really, for it. Really, really keen. Yes. Just to tell um, you to get, uh, to get hold of me. Um <laughs> So I got I, I got a lot of that, um, and and so I actually ha- you know the, the customer experience when people are paying for a service like Foxtel, which uh, you know it's not a utility. It is um, for a lot of people that's a, it's a luxury. Um, yeah. If it's not working and they're paying one hundred and thirty four bucks a month for it, yeah. then they they want yeah, the they attention. Want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I never had an employee ring me at ten thirty at night, but no. I had a customer ring me at ten thirty at night. So no. so the the um, difference in responsibility yep. that I felt and straight away straight away was um, was was quite overwhelming, but also it really made me question, geez, in my people role, um, what have I been doing for the last eight years to <laughs> um, to to really support the business? And the people capability required, so customers don't feel they have to contact the most senior person because yeah, technically right, yeah. they should be able to ring through or have a digital app or you know whatever whatever they solve their problem. Yeah. Um, and so, if anything, it really highlighted to me the link required between employee engagement and customer engagement. Yeah. Mm. So I've always believed in that, of course, but to be on the other side of the fence and getting those phone calls from customers, you just know what has happened here. Yes. Something's broken down along yeah. the way. Um, and and often it, it's they've dealt with someone, an employee that wasn't helpful or didn't know how to help them or they got passed around to 10 departments or, you know, um, something's gone wrong. And it really gave me quite a passion for solving the user experience, yeah. um, but really seeing employees role in that yeah. and and now um, as I start thinking about what do I want to do next the thing I realise I'm passionate about is that connection between employee and customer yeah. um, and and really the big challenge at the moment is for every company that's got a history longer than three years yep. is reinventing themselves to cope with customer expectations because now we're in a digital world and you can do just about everything on your phone yeah um, and if you can't, you want to speak to someone right now who can fix your issue right now. It's really hard for companies with a history of bureaucracy and overwhelming process and big com- comprehensive systems yep. to meet the demands. Yeah. And that's why startups are doing so, so well. So well. Yeah. Um, and, and who knows, in 10 years, those startups may be in the same position. I'm not sure if you can maintain your startup um, yeah, they, culture forever. Yeah. I mean, you would know from having been at Seek. From yeah. when it, oh, I don't know that it was quite the beginning, but it was certainly before it became the, the monstrous success that it became. I put that success down to myself. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of that's course. Why, yeah. Um, you know, so I think for me, the real connection of actually HR can make a bigger difference around capability. Mm then perhaps it plays in the experience that I've had mm. previously. It becomes all about do leadership programs and OD type stuff. Yeah. But the importance of technical ability to do your job, job yeah. and have a great be able to offer a great customer experience um, 
I'd mi- I, I hadn't completely missed that link, but I hadn't focused enough yeah, on it when I was a strong. HR yeah, person. Yeah, I think it's brilliant what you're saying because you do. You put it down to technical training, right? And you put technical training down to kind of the lowest denominator of the hierarchy of HR things to do yeah. with leadership at the top. Yeah. And technical training, maybe not so critical because it can be handled by everybody sort of thing. And one of the things I used to do is every time I went to, because I was based in Sydney because the executive were in Sydney, but the, the two Australian call centres are in Melbourne and on the Gold Coast. And I used to travel two to three days a week to either site. And every week I would sit down with a group of um, frontline staff and would ask them what's going on. What are the customers saying? What are we doing to help you do your job? Yeah. properly. And the feedback was all the same. No one ever said to me, can we have more leadership programs? No. Um, everyone said, you know, I've said 10 <laughs> times now that um, this button on the computer, <coughs> it, it doesn't work and therefore the customer gets bounced to another department, for example. Yeah. Like they were screaming out, please help me do me, my yeah. job. And I think HR sometimes, and I, and I absolutely fall on my sword and be guilty about this, we can be so keen to be a part of things that we feel we have to talk strategy and we have to talk leadership and talent. And, and I'm not saying those things aren't important. But in reality, um, one of the most strategic things you can do is help the frontline people do their best work. Yeah. Because that's where the results are. Yes, mm. so true. And yes, you've all those other things really make a difference. But I, I had totally been guilty of leadership's top down and, you know, you've got to do all of those things. And I still believe that, but I, I had not put enough importance or emphasis on um, bottom up function, yeah. making that it worse. Yeah. Do you did you, Emma, in your role then leading operations, did you have an HR? person supporting you? I did. I did. And um, and they'd always worked for me in my HR role, mm. so I knew them well. Um, it sounds terrifying, I know. either yeah. for you or them. I'm not yeah. sure which one yet. But, you know, what was funny was um, I had I had one um, lady um, first who had previously partnered, the, the lady that had been in the customer role prior to me, and um, and you you do realise a little bit out of all the roles on on an executive team or or a, a you know a, a commercial business team, HR is probably the one that needs there needs to be a real um, sort of personality and values alignment yeah. between the person leading the division and the and the and the HR person. It's it's a bit like um, there are great great HR people. But they're skilled at different things mm. and sometimes you need a different skill set for a different time. And so um, the first lady I dealt with who I absolutely loved, but what I wanted to do with the business was not necessarily her skill set and what she wanted to do was not necessarily what I wanted to do either. So we moved things around a bit um, and then I ended up working with um, this guy that had worked for me from day one actually at Foxtel and, um, and just knew me inside out you know and you could see what I was trying to do and and sort of got on with it and didn't need a huge amount of um hand holding from me and one of the things when I went into that job that I thought was really important was not to spend all my time on HR mm. yeah. because I didn't want to look like I was yeah. um you know clinging to my safety blanket yeah. yeah so I sort of said to him you know you need to um here's what I'm thinking, here's the agenda, I want you to come to me and tell me where 
you think you can add the most value and what right. you think we need to be doing because at the moment I need to go out on the road with an installer to work out how the hell we put a box in someone's home. Yeah. Or um, I'm apparently in charge of supply chain and I have a $100 million budget for widgets that make boxes up that come from, um, you know, the Middle East somewhere and I've got no idea how any of that works. Yeah. Um, and so I needed to have my attention elsewhere and I really needed the team to know that I – you know, I think there was a view that, hey, Em brings a lot of experience. She's been around a long time. She knows how to get things done. But, geez, I hope she's not going to be fluffy. Yeah. You know? And so I really felt the need to mm. go in and learn the business properly. Yeah. And actually looking back, I was embarrassed at the eight-year mark that I didn't know it better than I yeah, than right. I did. Having been I there was for that se- long. I think I was seen as a commercially focused person, which was why I was given the role, but or partly why I was given the role. But I was embarrassed that I knew a lot about the call center staff. Yeah, mm. but I really didn't pay attention to the nittier, grittier people in the background that really make things work yeah. and make things sing, mm. and the devil's in the detail. And so you realise. It, it, this is a cliche, so if you need to break into song, oh, feel free. Getting ready. God, Emma, yeah. you never but, um, ask her to break into song. Bracing myself. I, I really hate this, and I need to think of another example, but it really does describe to a T how I felt, which was this concept of being the conductor of the orchestra because I knew what good music needed to sound like. She's coming, yep. Well, there's actually <laughs> instruments within arm's reach, so <laughs> here it is. Um, I knew what the good music needed to sound like, but I knew I couldn't learn... And I could pick that the clarinets were off or the flutes were off. But, yeah. I, but you can't go and learn how to play the flute and no, the clarinet and no, the violin. No, you know, no, you've that got would take to too long. be able to say to the violinist section, okay, I'm hearing that it's off. Yeah. Tell me what you need to do to make it better. And then af- after a while, if it's not getting better, you've got to make some tough decisions about yep. should all those violinists be there? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you should never step in yeah. and learn to play the violin. You no. might spend some time with the section. Um, to get to know it, but you can't step in. And that was fascinating for me because I had to be this leader where I learned everything but didn't do yeah. any of it. Yeah. And I thought my HR team must have hated me looking <laughs> back because I just dived into everything I loved. Yeah. If you were doing a leadership program and I mm. loved it, I would You're jump in right in. Yeah. And, oh, why don't we do this and why don't I play mm. here? And I did it a lot with communications, which is I love, um, and change management making things look beautiful and I'm like do this do that and let's get such and such on camera and I think they must have gone to lunch and gone oh for god's sake you know she's on the (laughs) rampage again um so really I learned that you have to empower yeah others to do their to do their work because you don't know everything yeah in fact in that role I, I didn't know anything and I knew less than I should have given that I had been there for so long and you don't have time you no. know, to learn it anyway. By the time you did, one of the greatest people I've worked with, I know Lorena. This will, is me. Is other it? than Lorena, should I leave the room? Other than Lorena, <laughs> I just don't want to embarrass her. Is is a communications guy that I worked with at Seek because, unlike you, I'm dreadful at that side of things. And so to have someone who is the expert, I could say, "Great, I'm stopping here, and you're taking it." And to know that he could take it meant I didn't have to learn the violin Fine. and yeah. worse actually think I could play it and could not play it so it was you know a really nice partnership to do it that yeah. way so you can get really nice work relationships out of working that way as well yeah rather than having to know everything that everyone else does yeah and also if you have a go at too many things and you don't do them well you start getting judged as failing whereas mm. if you let other people do their role and you've got to understand you know how to connect the dots but um, you don't have to 
you don't have to do everything. And in fact, the less you do and the more you guide the crowd to do, the better the outcome. Yeah. And I've always taught that in leadership programs. Yeah, right. But clearly I hadn't lived, lived it. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a difference. Um, and when I went into that line role, I was like, oh, shit, okay. Mm. I really, yeah. really, ha- this is it now. I'm standing here for real and I have to practice what I, That's what I preach. Um, but, you know, they did give me the role because it was a people, uh, it was 80% of the company's of people and it was very much, well, you've done HR, you're a people person, this is a people Role, yeah, and I was given it on that basis. But um, yeah, like I said before, I I had prided myself on being part of the business, but but I really should have yeah. been more. And if I went back to a HR role now, which I might, mm. uh, I would do things differently. That's for what sure. I was going to ask you. So what what's the one th- main thing you'd do differently if you were going into an HR role now tomorrow? What's different about the way you do HR now? Um. Well, I would work with the leader to understand not just the top-down requirements and who they want in succession and, and you know, who's who's best for what role and how to drive optimal performance, but I would I would want to know, explain to me the supply chain of your area. What, yeah. Where where do things begin and end? How, yeah. what's, the, what's the profit chain or, you know, whatever the business unit is that gets you the outcomes? And then work out where are the valuable, the most valuable pieces yeah. and work on those. Um, knowing that often those pieces are not the sexiest pieces to work on. Yeah. I, I think to be a really good HR person now, you have to be egoless. Mm. And by that I mean you have to do the work and let the business take all of the yep. credit. Yeah, right. Um, that's fine. If that's what it takes to get the results, yeah. that's what you do. Mm. I think because HR doesn't always have a great reputation – People sort of fight to be seen and feel the need to sort of fly their flag. Yeah. Um, but actually, I've learned if you just do the work, mm. whoever it is that you're partnering with, the, yeah. the business that will will think you're will think you're amazing anyway. You know, those yeah. accolades will come. That's yeah. right. But the reality is, if HR wants to survive as an industry, um, then I do believe that it will become a lot more data-driven. It will become a lot more understanding where the value of people engaging with customers or end users or businesses, whatever it is, that's where the value will be. Mm. I went to a breakfast in Melbourne recently and they were talking about um, agility and I was like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, you know, I've heard it. I've been in tech, I've heard it. And she came at it from a different angle completely, which was that hey, if if companies are going to be agile enough to cope with automation and everything that's come and coming, then HR has to be the leader in that. And then she asked us about three or four questions. I can't remember them specifically about just test whether your team's agile enough. Do you have a process for this? Do you have a system for this? And you could see everyone thinking, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. She said, well, then you're not agile. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know... Because then, yeah, the minute you have to change, (laughs) you're going to jam it through all these systems. And you can see us all going, oh, well, what would you know? But then when you left, you're like, no, you do know something, really. We just feel bad. But one of the things that I think more companies might start doing, I don't know if you guys have had um, any exposure to Slingshot Accelerator. So, Karen Lawson, who used to run Career One, I think, um, uh, she is the CEO of it. And basically what they're doing is connecting startups with big corporates. Ah. And so and they're for, so there are, Slingshot Accelerator is essentially a venture cap 
business. Yeah. Um, and they're so they're funding startups, but they're also bringing corporates together. And what they do is, um, so for example, Qantas has just one, done one, um, and they are bringing together corporate problems with startup businesses yep. because those startups are looking at those problems very differently. They're not constrained no, by not constrained. the processes and the systems, yep. the technology internally. Yep. And it almost gives the corporate permission to yeah. try things that are a bit different. So yeah. I'll give you a very quick example. Yeah. They had this one... They're also getting solutions to problems they didn't know they had. So mm. they gave me this example, sort of a third-hand story, about this young guy who started this startup because he was a pilot's son and his dad was always all over the world and he never knew when he could call him because yep. he didn't know the time difference. So he invented this app that takes cabin crew or flight rosters and converts them into this kind of user-friendly app that kids oh, can look at gorgeous. and know where their mum or dad or whatever is. And now you could take that and put it into any executive travel, yep. um, uh, you know, any executive that's, that's right. travelling the world, any body that's travelling the world really. Now, Qantas, that's not necessarily a problem that Qantas had, so maybe that's not a great example, but... No one in Qantas would have ever gone, you know no, what, wouldn't no. it be cool if? No. Because they're busy trying to get people safely from one place to the next. When you bring in a different think, uh, think tank type arrangement, but you're paying them and yeah. they're invested in and then Qantas um, invest as well. And I think that's, that's where it's genius. all going. Yep. I really do think the only way for big, cumbersome corporates yep. to grow and change and keep up and not die will yep. be to work with organisations yeah, that are startup, yeah. but facilitated by someone who knows how to speak both languages. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where clever. I think a different it will arm. go. And HR like a... can play a lead role in that, yeah, I, I agree. Think. Mm. Um, because it's some of the technology that needs to change is people. Yeah. If we move to a freelancer world more and more down the track, then that technology to keep everybody engaged with the companies that they work for will become more and more, um, more and more relevant. And that's where HR being data people, um, knowing where that freelancer talent is, that's right. you will need to be a tech ed for sure. Yeah, yeah, you can't get away without it now. No. You're not speaking the same language. No. Yeah. I've just started a new role, which we won't go into, but... I um I can't believe how many apps yeah. I now have five apps on my phone that are relating to my role. Yeah, wow. and my brain because I'm old is like, oh well, can't we consolidate this? <laughs> and now that I'm looking at it, I'm going, oh, I see what I used to do compared to having this. My world was Outlook, you know, the yeah. email system. Now email's not as important, yeah. and I have all these apps for other things. So yeah. now I've just got to get my head around it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm very good with technology, so it's you not going to be a problem. It's amazing. I don't yeah, know what you're talking about. It's one of my skills. <laughs> yeah. You know, Emma, this is completely unrelated to anything we've spoken about, but you have reminded me because I worked at Foxtel. We never crossed over. No, a good couple of years before before you started, and this has got nothing to do with anything. I'm just flagging it, Lorena, mm, in case okay. you give me just devil looks the, across um, the room. Signal that we might want to cut this later. <laughs> yeah, just cut it later. But um, at one stage, the call centre went a bit crazy. Not super crazy, just a little bit crazy. There were phone calls coming from everywhere. Nobody knew there was going to be. And what it turned out to be was that we had played Gilligan's Island, but we had skipped an episode. Oh, yeah. And we had skipped the episode where the Harlem Globetrotters went oh, to the island. that was the best episode. I know, but it wasn't in. They'd bought the copyright or whatever you call it yeah. for them, but this was a special thing. We hadn't bought that episode. Okay. And there was something like 100 people called, but because you weren't staffed for it, it went crazy. Mm. It was just because of that. That's you should have cool. seen what happened when they changed The Young and the Restless to a different channel. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. See, I, I miss You those think, oh, things. nobody watches it. It'll be fine. It'll be, we'll move it to 10.30 from 9.30 and we'll yeah. put it on this channel. So that call center blows oh up. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's lost. Young and the Restless is gone. What do I do with 4.30? Could have been Bold and the Beautiful, actually. Can't remember which. Oh, but yeah. By the way, good. devastating. Both good. Absolutely, Devo. Yeah. Um, 
Emma, I mentioned at the start that we might talk about what you did on your sabbatical, but yeah. you you know, didn't have enough to do with your time. So you wrote a book. (laughs) I did. I did. Um, I wrote a book called Inspired Kindness. It's a coffee table book. Uh, Lots of lovely photography and it's Q&A style. And it's the story of um, 30 inspiring leaders doing something extraordinary to change our world. Um, It's, uh, it was designed. What page is Lorena and I on? Um, Next edition. Next edition. when Mm. you start your charity and start giving your um, profits from your business to a charity, then I'll put you in. Are you joking? I'm here. Here with Lorena and Silent Bob. This is a charity. <laughs> Maybe you can get a run in the next uh, the next version. Um, but what prompted me to do it was I had spent um, you know over twenty years in business and I and I loved every minute of it. But I did feel like it was really easy for corporates to get themselves publicity. But it really I met all these entrepreneurial leaders in the philanthropic world who just weren't getting any exposure and yet they were changing social structures in our world and making our place better. And so I thought, right, I'm going to write about 30 of these and then um, we're going to make it a beautiful book that they would be proud to be in. I'm going to sell it for $50 a copy and we're going to sell a thousand and we're going to create five ten thousand $10,000 grants for the next generation of philanthropists, wow. entrepreneurial philanthropists that are coming through the mm. system. So we're at 588 sales or something now and hopefully we'll get to a thousand by Christmas and then next year we'll start releasing grants to, to start up. So for people that are trying to do something, um, you know, important that yeah. will change our, that okay. will change our world. And that's, um, I've, been involved in philanthropy for a long time outside of work, but when I took the sabbatical, I wanted a project. I didn't want to yeah. watch TV. I'd you know been paid to watch TV for That's the last ten say. years. I wanted to do. It. I wanted to do something else, uh, and it was a nice project to do that was a bit more um, for the soul and the corporate world can be yeah, sometimes. So uh, it was it was a really inspiring project and it, it was tough because uh, sometimes I did three interviews a day like you guys are doing but I was you know dealing with cancer and then mm. yeah. and then homelessness and then yeah, refugee that's... issues by and I was three months pregnant at the time oh, so I was wow. highly emotional yeah. um, and I did feel quite overwhelmed by it I felt mm. like my god are any of us doing enough you know yeah. what a privileged life we all lead but um, but once I, I took a break from it over Christmas and when I went back I felt kind of inspired again so we pulled the book together and yeah and what's it called again inspired kindness inspired kindness where do you get it i know you didn't uh, you can ask get it. for us to do this no but that's where do you get it? great um you can buy i have my own foundation which is called rainbow jane and you can get it on rainbowjane.com mm. excellent we will check that out so yeah. bob will put a link up <laughs> yeah congratulations <laughs> thank you yeah thank you very well done, much Emma. back mm. to the real world though now mm. <laughs> Yes, back to the corporate world, probably. Corporate world. Well, we'll look out for you. Yes. And um, good luck with your baby. Yes, to Mila. And um, thanks for coming. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Emma. All right. Thanks very much. Another great episode, Lorena, as it will be at. Live baby live. <laughs> Who said I should have been in radio sales? I don't think anybody. Nobody. Twentieth no. um, of November, you and I are hitting the stage. What are you going to wear? I, I tell you, I'll be thinking about it every minute before then. I don't mm. know. It's a mm. big decision. Imagine if we walked out in the same outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Mm. Um, 
Okay, who wore it so best. maybe yeah, that's we'll just do a who wear it or, best. Audience participation moment. <laughs> I can give you a hint that I will not be wearing lederhosen <laughs> if you want to be sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to say lycra, but that is a chance. Lycra is a chance. Lycra is possible. Lederhosen, <laughs> no. not possible. So if you want to be safe, <laughs> okay. There's a tip you don't get every well, first day. First, we'd have to look up what it means. Okay, you do that. Okay. Um, it's got straps, shorts, European. German, possibly. Oh, well, it sounds like everything in my wardrobe. Exactly. <laughs> and so flattering for the figure. Yes, good to know. Um, so to get tickets to this mm. once-in-a-lifetime event, oh, oh. of which you and I'll be there, people can finally put a face to the name mm-hmm. and the voice, probably mm-hmm. more appropriately. So will Tanya Southey, mm-hmm. uh, a very experienced HR director, who is writing a book, by the way. Wow. Um, and possibly others that we have not yet revealed. Surprise guests. Surprise guests. So Monday the 20th, it's in the afternoon. It's at Zinc Federation Square, and you can get tickets at www.bobgroup.com.au. I like the way you did that. I was trying to lower my voice and then my voice, I'm like a 12-year-old boy going through (laughs) stuff at the moment. It goes everywhere. And we're with you every step of the way. So beautiful. Through your puberty. I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling it. Where were you the first time round? (laughs) Anyway, it's just gone weird. Gotta go. I gotta go. Bye. Bye.